Well, good morning. Good to see you all here. Uh, it's just been a, a great week, a busy week for me and for my family, but we've enjoyed it. It's good to get back into a routine. It's good to find the busyness of life, but to find Christ in the middle of it. It's so good. It's so good to run around with our heads cut off, but still step back and say, God, you're in control. We don't understand everything, but you're sovereign, and we trust in you, and we love you, and we lean on you. And so we're glad you're here this morning. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. If you want to go ahead and turn there, you can find it in your digital sword or in the Word. Thank you, Casey. Uh, I love playing with the band, but God, I just I start singing and all, and then I can't talk, and so bear with me. I'm going to drink a little water. That's so good. God, it was good this morning. And so we're going to be in Isaiah 61. Turn there. But before we get there, I'm going to give you a little bit about Isaiah, but I want to get into last week. I want to, I want to recap what we talked about last week. This sermon series that we're walking through is called It Matters, and we're looking at different categories that matter within the faith family here at the Oaks, our vision, our mission, our covenant, our tithing, our giving, our talents. And so we want to look at these things, our beliefs, and we want to really hone in on them so that you know who we are. There is no secrets. There's no secrets here at the Oaks. We want to be an open book to who you are because we want you to partner with us. We want to link arms with you to serve this community. We want nothing to be hidden. It was a pet peeve of mine when I was growing up. I shared this last week that too often myself and my family and people around me got into ministry and didn't know what it was about. And too often they got into it and they found something that they didn't like about that faith family or about that church. And they either left or they caused division. And that's a sad place to be. We don't want to be there. We want to unveil everything to you and allow you to make a decision to partner with us to share the gospel to this community. And so that's where our heart is. When you see it matters, it matters. It matters. And if your heart doesn't align up with the mission and the vision God has given us here in this faith family... Let us help you find one. It's not just about us. It's about serving this community to bring the gospel to them. And so Isaiah is a prophet. He writes that the Messiah will be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of the Lord, to fulfill the work of redemption and deliverance in this mosaic, in this messianic age. Through who? Through his people. Through his people. And this is what Isaiah 61 is about. And so it's a vision for the next generation to rise up, to raise up servant leaders within the body of believers to share the story of grace with this world. So here's the question. How do we accomplish this task? Last week we unveiled this. Here's four components to our framework. If you want to throw that up there, Peyton. We talked about vision last week. We talked about how our vision is our overall statement that anyone in this community, anyone in the church can have this vision. And they can grasp and they can hold on to it. Because it is a vision that is given through the Word of God. It wasn't an audible vision. God no longer speaks vision into people because there's no new revelation. His Word is the revelation. It's the complete revelation. It is His Word. And so our vision is a statement, an overall statement for the church, and it says that we serve all people we engage with authentic relationships compelled by grace and truth through Jesus Christ. That is our vision. That is our vision. And so for our vision to come into 
existence, for our vision to be strong, for our vision to be proper, it has to fit within this framework. And this is the framework. Our missions, our values, our strategy, and our measures. If we're missing any part of this, it falls apart. The frame does not hold. And so our mission statement is this, is that we cultivate relationships that produce stories of grace in everyday life. And we're going to dig into that because you see that uh, the topic today is sermon uh, Mission Matters. But before that, our values are what? Biblical clarity. If you missed last week, biblical clarity. That's what we value. We value biblical clarity. We value authentic response. We value cultivating relationships and seeking understanding. That, are, that is our values. That's what we, at the core of who we are, when you walk in, this is what you will experience here at the Oaks. Biblical clarity, authentic relationships, uh, seeking understanding, and cultivating relationships. And so what makes us different? What makes us different than 10,000 other churches? It's our mission. It's the fuel. It's what drives us. So when we look at our vision, which is our mountaintop, and we say, this is where we want to be. This is where the people of God want to be. We want to glorify Christ through His grace and His truth. We want to bring people compelled by that to Christ. We want to engage them and serve them. But how do we get there? Because any church can say that. Any church can say, we want to make disciples. But how are you going to make disciples? We want to engage people. We want to serve people. But how are you going to do that? What's going to fuel you? It's our mission. Our mission fuels us. And so this is what our mission says. Write it down. If not, this is where we're going to be. It says to cultivate relationships, producing stories of grace in everyday life. The next part of the frame is our strategy. We gather, we grow, and we go. It's simple. We gather together in a corporate setting here within this building, within this facility, but we gather together in the homes. This is a result of our homes. We believe that as we grow together in the homes, as we grow together as disciples in the homes, this is an outpouring, this is a result of that, that we come and honor who God is. This is not about who we are. We're not trying to come here and fit what we think church looks like or should be like, because it's not about us, it's about God. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about glorifying Him. And it's not about self. It's not about the music or who teaches or what he wears. But it's about Christ. We grow together and then we go and we take this message into a community that needs to hear the gospel. Our measures are our mark for success. It's what we say when you've experienced our mission, our values, and our strategies. At the end of it, we as the, as the pastors here at the Oaks, believe that you should be producing measures. What does that look like? If you can remember one word, devoted. Devoted. There's seven things that fall under that, but we believe that you are devoted to follow Jesus through the Word, through prayer, through one another, through the breaking of bread, through giving, through missional living, and through our gifts and our talents. That's our measure. That we want to take Joe and we want to move him, not Joe the bearded stud, but we want to move Joe through this framework. And so at the end, he's producing measures. And when he produces, when he's devoted to the Word, when he's devoted to following Christ, to breaking bread to each other, he will then start bringing someone through the same process within his home group, within his Bible studies, within his mentorship. That they will produce measures. And this is how we are successful. This is how we measure success, that you are discipling 
in making disciples. So this is our framework. But we're going to dive into our mission. And so turn to Isaiah 61, chapter, uh, chapter 61, verse 1. And there's three big points I want to look at. In verse 1 through verse 3, cultivating the good news within. This is the first part. Cultivating the good news within. The servant declares to God how he will deliver and restore his people with glory. And look at verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favor year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, giving them the garland instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of mourning and the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. And so verse 1 is the basis, there's the truth, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit to be upon the speaker with clarity meant that the Old Testament, that the speaker was filled with the Spirit, that it wasn't about him. He didn't just make this prophecy and this vision and then speak off the top of his head, but God through him gave him a vision to speak to his people. And so it's with clarity, and we believe it says, the Spirit of God is upon me. As the writer is writing, and he's pinning, he's saying, the Spirit of God is upon me. It's not me, but this is from God. And he says, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news. And I love this. I love the last part of verse 1. It says, to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the broken heart and to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prison, to the prisoners. And so look at verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord, Yahweh, says who is upon Him. There are two verbs here, and it says, He has anointed me, and He has sent me. Look at these two words. It says, He has anointed me, and He has sent me. There are two truths here that we are set apart. When we talk about anointed, that we are set apart. We are set apart, and then to send me means that we are endorsed by God. Think about that, church. You're not alone. You're not alone. God has endorsed you, and He sent you, and you're not alone. So believe as the people of the, the people of God that we are anointed, that we are endorsed by God, that we have a message that has been anointed. It's not us. It takes the weight of glory off of us. We're just called to be obedient. It says he, he has been sent the message. In verse 2 it says, He begins with proclaiming the, favor, the favorable year of the Lord. It was through this line that Jesus quoted in Luke 4. If we know in Luke 4.18, He quotes this, and He says that, that through this line, up to verse 2, to proclaim the favor of the Lord in the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. This was Jesus this is who we're talking about. This is who Isaiah is talking about. He's talking about Jesus up to verse 2. And then the tables turn a little bit here. And he says, to, those who grant, uh, to grant those who mourn in Zion. So he says, to all who comfort. First talking about Jesus. And then he says this, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, giving them the garland instead of the ashes. And so this is where it turns. And it's the second coming. It's talking about the second coming and that Christ's mission for his people 
And he says the favor or the grace has captured them. And there's a theme that God has given grace to his people. And he set them out of bondage. And so Israel, in verse 3, it says this, the garland instead of ashes, meaning that there's a turbine, there's a headdress that God is going to place on his people. And so he's given them that. He's given them that instead of the all, instead of all of gladness, instead of mourning, that God gets the glory. The mantle of praise, instead of the spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that He may be glorified. I love it. This language in the Hebrew, it means pillar. I didn't pick this because of the oaks, and we're trying to relate that and say, oh, the oaks, right, family, faith family at the oaks, the oaks of righteousness. Uh, I know you're thinking that, but I didn't. But it's just such good language, and I love it. He says, pillar of righteousness. That word oaks means pillar. It means strong man, leader, chief, mighty tree. Wow. If we think of that in that terms, that God, that, he, that they will be called the, the pillar of righteousness, the strong men of righteousness, the leaders of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Wow, what a responsibility that, that God has anointed us to be pillars of righteousness, to be men that stand strong in their families, to lead their families. What a challenge. And so he's entrusted us with the faith family to cultivate as pastors, to cultivate this good news within you that Christ has come, that Christ wants to set within you a pillar of righteousness, an oak of righteousness, so that you can be the glory of God to this world. And so he's cultivating within us this good news. And then he goes on in verse 4, and he talks about producing a new story within us has to be a new story in us. In verse 4, Then they rebuilt the ancient ruins, and they raised up the former wastelands, and they will repair the ruined cities, desolate uh, <clears throat> of many generations. Strangers will stand and pasture their flocks, and foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers, but you will be called the priest of the Lord, and you will be spoken of the minister of God, and you will eat the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you will boast. So the background of this section comes from uh, Exodus 19. I'm going to read this to you. You don't have to turn there. Exodus 19, verse 6, if you're taking notes. But this is the background. It says, You shall be, the, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. That they will return to the original call of God. That they will be His people for His own possession. First Peter chapter 2 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may, not proclaim the so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who have called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. Mercy, that we would remove the mask of religiosity and love people where they are, compelled by grace and truth. Can we do that? Can we be a people that proclaims His Word? Can we be a priesthood for His possession and not for our own? So that we can cultivate within us a story 
of grace that fits in His story. Because see, it's not really our story, but it's His story that changes us and it magnifies His overall arching story of redemption that we each play a part in that. And so God wants to use us to be His people for His possession. And look at verse 4. It says, verse 4 predicts that He will rebuild the ruins and the waste places. It says, then they will rebuild the ancient ruins and they will raise up the former race, uh, wastelands and they will repair the ruins of the city. It will raise them up. And then verse 5 tells us how the foreigners and strangers, I love this. This is what fits into what we're talking about, our mission. It talks about the ordinary people will serve. You have a purpose. You are valuable. God has given you a story. And your story is valuable. I can't express it enough. God wants you to use your story to glorify Him. So verse 5 tells us that. It says, Strangers will stand in the pasture and pasture your flocks, and foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers. But you will be called the priest of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of God, and you will eat the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you will boast. There is no appointed time for you to share the gospel. There is no appointed time. Too many people come to me and ask, you know, when, when is it right to share the gospel? I'm like, are you breathing? It's right. There's no appointed time. We don't need to pray for these things. We don't need to pray like, God, give me an opportunity. We just live a life that glorifies God, and those opportunities come. If we're obedient day in and day out, we're going to have an opportunity to share His story within our story. God is good. He's faithful. Take that weight off of you. Take that weight off of you and off your spouse and off the church. We talked about it last week and we said we don't want to compete with Christ. He's going to build His church. We just want to be a part of it. And we want to glorify Him when we can. So there is no appointed time as we're looking here that just the ordinary people are going to be called what? Priests of the Lord. They're going to be spoken of as ministers of God. Wow. You don't have to stand behind this podium right here or whatever this thing is. You don't have to stand here and be called a priest or a, or a pastor. You are pastors. You pastor your family. You pastor your co-workers. You pastor people in everyday life. And so God wants to put in you a new story. He wants to restore your spiritual service. And look at it in a new and a fresh way. That it's not a program. It's not a volunteer and I show up for something and that's my service. But my service is to God every day. Every day. There's an opportunity to share your stories. And to share His story. And Zechariah 3 portrays this. If you have a chance, read through that. It just, it just is a beautiful chapter about the restoration of the nation and to restore His people back to His priestly function. God does not deliver and forgive for no purpose. God saves in order that the redeemed might serve. There's a call to action. God didn't save you, redeem you, to put you on a shelf and to say, okay, there's number one million. 
He's not, it's not trophies. He wants to empower you to serve. He wants to empower you to bring light to this community and to your world. So God does not save for no reason or no purpose, but that He might restore and that fruit might be, be bore for His glory and that the remnant within will shine forth. Point number three, proclaiming our story. There's three things. There's God's cultivating a new story within us, and He's going to produce. That word produce, if you don't know, it means to bring into being. That we're going to bring into being our story. And the last part of this is that we proclaim it. We have to proclaim it. We can't take all that is good and all that God has done for us, bottle it up, and do nothing. We have to share it. So proclaiming our story, verse 7 of Isaiah 61, it says, Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in the land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice and hate robbery and burnt offerings. And I will faithfully give them their reward and make them an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the people. All who see them will recognize them because they are the offspring whom the Lord has blessed. And so verse 7 just declares the everlasting joy that He replaces our shame. Have you ever heard that before? God's replaced your shame and your guilt. You don't have to, to bear that anymore. He's wiped it away. I know we don't talk about that much in, in the life of the church, but shame and guilt, God has removed it. He has covered it. And so you can walk in confidence and not in shame. You can walk in confidence and not in guilt, knowing that He goes before you and that He is sovereign. So God declares that He's replaced our shame. And I love this part in verse 10. Verse 10 is just totally, He just interrupts the whole flow of the, of the passage. I love it because I think through Isaiah and as he's writing this and he's rejoicing and he, he just busts out in song right here. He just sings praise and it's so good. In verse 10 he says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. You see how his manner changed all of a sudden? He's like, there were all springs among the nations, the descendants, and he's recognizing, he's going through this, and all of a sudden he says, Rejoice greatly. You're good. It says, I will rejoice in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation, and he has wrapped me with the robe of righteousness. As the bridegroom decks herself with the garland, and as the bride adores her with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts and the garden causes its, the things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Wow. This is the central point of the whole chapter. That He has clothed you in the garment of righteousness. That He has clothed you in salvation to bring glory to Him. And we have to praise that. We have to rejoice in that for the restoration of our service, the restoration of who we are, of God's people for His possession. We have to bring Him praise. 
And I love the imagery of the clothing that he uses here to compare. He says the clothing signifies the nature of the person. God has clothed you in righteousness. So your nature is no longer sinful, but it's righteous. So you are righteous. Have confidence in that. And then verse 11, it continues the message from, from 8, 9, and 10. It says, I will make you righteous and I will praise spring up from the land. I love this word spring up. It means to flourish. It draws on the imagery of the planting of the oaks, but it looks to produce righteousness that will cover the land. And so just as an oak tree springs up, it's talking about producing. It's talking about the merchandise. What is it that you have? What is it that, that is going to be produced within us? And it's His story. It's His story. And we have to learn to share that. And so I love the imagery there that we spring up and across the fields and the land that there are mighty pillars of God. There are men of God that are leading their home. That the men of Oaks will stand in the community as pillars of righteousness for God's sake and not for our sake. And not for what this could be or could look like as a building, as a facility, but what we could look like as believers united in Christ. So the mission fuels the vision and it gets us to our mountaintop that we cultivate relationships that produce stories of grace in everyday life. To cultivate means to make ready. That we make ready those relationships. That they understand that within them there's a greater story and that is valuable and that there's a reason. And so we cultivate that within people. And that we produce. And we talk about that word that it produces what? That it brings forth to bring forth or to bring about the goodness of God within them to share to all people. So we've got to produce that. And then we must proclaim our stories of grace. It's threefold. Cultivate, produce, and share. That's our mission. That we continue to cultivate within you, within you, the people of God, a story, a new story. And to share that and proclaim that with a world that needs a message. It needs a message of hope and love and strength. Let me pray. Father, we thank You for Your message, God. And we pray that as we reach forth to the mountaintop, as we strive to serve all people that we engage grace and truth through Jesus Christ, as we want to be there, God, we pray that our mission, that we're fueled by our stories of grace, that we're fueled by authentic relationships, that we cultivate within the people in this community a story of grace, that we can cultivate that within them and that they understand that there's a bigger picture to life. And that their story has value within the bigger story that God has created in them. A story that will influence this world for His glory and not our own. God, let us stand as men and women of oaks, that we stand as pillars of faith, that we stand as leaders in this community, and that we understand that God will restore us back to our priestly function that we all have a purpose.
and that's to glorify you. God did not create us for no reason, but He gave us a purpose. He wants to restore us so that He can have the glory and we can experience the joy. We love you. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, The challenge here, the invite here, is just to really think through your stories. There's so many stories in here. There's so many stories that can glorify God and give Him the honor that is due. If you don't know it, if you don't realize it, whether how young or old you are, your life experiences can bring value to someone, can bring value to their life. God has walked you and moved you through seasons of life for a reason so that you can share your testimony and your story with those who need it, need to hear because it's not your story to hold, but it's your story to give back and to share. So I challenge you, think through that. Think through how God can take my story and use it to glorify Him. Take my experiences in life and bring that to someone who's, who's there now and needs that comfort, needs that encouragement. Ask God to stretch you, challenge you, to be His people for His possession.